Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Whew. Good morning. I feel like I just blew in here today. Hope you all are doing well. We had a, a fun morning this morning. You should have seen Jason and I chasing canopies down the parking lot with the wind blowing. It was a sight to see. Um, but I think we've got them all situated um, we've got them anchored down, but we know that we need to get some more sandbags. So that's a, a Kairos moment that we have had. Uh, again, thank you, Randy, and thank you guys for being here. Um, hopefully you're all doing well. I, I wanted to uh, check in with you guys. Um, I've done it a little bit when I was able to uh, with some people and asked, just remember last week, I, I kind of asked to be aware of these Kairos moments, um, if any of you had that. I spoke to Jason as we were setting up today, and he told me about a couple that he had. Uh, Randy, as well as Ben, have shared a few that they've had, some at work, some at home. And we talked about those different moments where they are opportunities for us to step into this deeper conversation, really, with God. And, and turn with me to... Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Remember, the practice of Kairos, it's how we detect the kingdom in our midst. That, that was the whole point of our exercise. We mentioned different opportunities and different ways Kairos steps in. We talked about the brick wall moments where they're just obvious and they're powerful. We talked about speed bumps that are just things that kind of you notice. They aren't as traumatic maybe as the brick wall. We talked about mirrors where you see yourself in a situation and it stands out. That's one of the ones that Ben shared with me where he saw himself in a situation at work. And then we talked about vision when you see what you would like to become or something that you desire for to take place in the future. And we're seeing that these moments are when we detect the kingdom of God in our midst. Luke's gospel says The kingdom of heaven is within. It's in our midst. At hand, within our midst, it's so close that it shows up. It reveals itself to us. And really, that's what we're talking about. Kairos is a revelation of God's kingdom showing up in our lives. 
But then that doesn't mean just because we have that moment, it doesn't mean that we've grown, we've learned, or we've changed. In other words, having a kairos, having a moment where there's a revelation, where the kingdom of God is breaking into your awareness does not mean that you've changed. It does not mean that you've learned something or have grown. I remember one time I was thinking about a person who I had worked with, and I hadn't seen or talked to this person in probably about five years. And I used to work with them, and the person had a problem with a meth addiction. And I was wondering, how was he doing? Because last I knew, he was homeless and not doing well. And I just had this, man, it jumped in my mind. I wonder how Wayne's doing. And the day after I had that thought, or I believe it was actually that evening that I had that thought As I was at a practice, a music practice, Colleen came in and said, hey, I met this guy today, and he says he knows you. His name is Wayne, right? It was one of those moments. It was like an aha moment. It's like, okay, something's happening here. And I was like, oh, really? And she said, yeah, I met him here, and I'm having, you know, this conversation with him. He says he knows you, wanted to say hello to you. And I said, I just thought about him. Tell him I'd like to get together and talk with them. And so Colleen talked to him, and I ended up meeting with Wayne. And it was like, okay, all these things are converging. God is at work. I'm thinking about Wayne. Wayne is interacting with Colleen, and and these two paths converge. Something is happening here. And I meet with Wayne, and I'm expecting something miraculous to happen. Wayne is going to realize that God is present. God is speaking to me, to him in this situation. And Wayne is going to get out of the life that he's living that's destroying himself. But it didn't happen. Wayne acknowledged that God was present, that God was working. Wayne acknowledged that what he was doing was detrimental to him and to other people. And Wayne said, I don't want to change. And for me, it was like, wait a second. I, I, I figured all these things were happening for a reason. And I started to realize that you can't deny God is at work sometimes in the moment. But I learned that you can deny for God to work in that moment. And that's what was happening with him. And the moment doesn't change you. It provides opportunity for you to change. When something happens, you become aware of it. It is pointing to something, but it is pointing to something that we need to then dig into. And that's what I want to do today. Last time we talked, the last few times we talked about detecting these moments, but after we detect them, what do we do with them? How, how do we allow them to have a transformative way into our lives so that we become better? We grow, we learn, we take them as moments that change us and don't just happen to us. Because being aware isn't enough for transformation. Knowing that God is with me doesn't quite get me to where I need to go. We have to do something with these Kairos moments. And what are these moments for? Just to let us know something's going on? 
Kairos is the opportunity to enter in the kingdom of God. How do we do that? Jesus tells us, repent and believe. Now, I don't know your history with that word repent and this idea of repent and believe, but I know what mine is, and it has to do kind of with a stadium full of people and someone giving an altar call and people making a decision to follow Jesus and believe in Jesus, and that's kind of been the box that I've lived in. And I think that repentance is much more than that. I think repentance, and by my experience and maybe by yours too, is a regular experience and a practice of every follower of Christ. I didn't repent once. I I repent constantly. I'm constantly having to redirect my life. And I believe many of us have a skewed understanding of what repentance is, And it needs some rehabilitating from maybe things that we've learned. Or or maybe we just need to expand it so that we understand how it shows up in Scripture and it becomes much more evident in our lives. The word repent in the New Testament is the Greek word metanoia. And it means to have a change of mind heart. It expresses an inner change that aligns our minds and hearts With God. Now, Scripture talks about this process a lot. Even when the word repent isn't necessarily used, the idea of repentance shows up time and time again. And I just want to list a few areas where it shows up so that we can get an idea of what it looks like. And so here's a number of Scriptures where we get the idea of repentance, right? Go ahead and show that slide, you guys. Repentance is the way we are renewed in the spirit of our minds. That's Ephesians 4.20. Repentance is the way we have this mind about us, which is ours in Christ Jesus. Repentance is the way we actively set our minds on the things above and not on earthly things. Colossians 3.2, repentance is the process of demolishing arguments and futile ways of thinking that are opposed to the knowledge of God, 2 Corinthians 10.4. Repentance is how we capture every thought and make it obedient to Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5. And ultimately, the goal of repentance is to have the mind of Christ being able to spiritually discern all Things. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 16. You see, this is all repentance. This all encompasses this idea of repenting. And so it's not just, oh, you've done something bad, you need to stop doing this. This, this is a realignment of our lives to the things that God is doing right now and present with us. Right When you're driving and your GPS is telling you which way to go and you miss that left turn and it has to recalculate. To get to where you need to do, you have to make another turn. You have to make a U-turn. You have to stop. You have to repent. You have to change the direction to get to this place. And these places that God is working in our lives, 
is constantly happening. It's a process of being changed inwardly, a turning from darkness to light, choosing life instead of death. It is essential in the process of learning a new way of life. And the New Testament word for disciple literally means learner. And this is what we do every time we repent. We learn. The only way a disciple learns is by repentance. Think about that. Let that shape how this word starts to sit with you. The way you learn is by repenting. To give up repentance is to give up learning, maturing, and growing. There is no discipleship without active, ongoing, regular, normalized repentance. If you are a follower of Christ, you are in a continual stage of repentance because that's what it is to be a disciple and to be a learner. It means to repent, to be aware, and to reset your boundaries, to recalculate your life. Remember, salvation itself, we don't just repent to be saved. Salvation itself isn't a one-time event, but a continuing process. Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 1.18 and in 15.2, that we are being saved. Now, we've been saved, we're being saved, and we're going to be saved. It's an all-encompassing thought. And just as I hope we learned that grace is not merely unmerited favor, but God's giving of himself to us in relationship, I hope we can also learn that repentance is not just turning from sin, but it's actually agreeing with God about reality. The kingdom of heaven is in our midst. It's at hand. Seeing it, repenting is moving in that direction. That's it. It's hearing what God says about what's real and true and saying yes to it. God is saying, this is true about this situation. And we say, yes, I agree with that. And maybe my life is saying no to it, but I need to align myself, my mind with God's mind. It's moving from what I think about life to what God is revealing about life. I don't think the creator of the universe is interested in definitions. I think God is interested in giving us life. Isaiah says that God says, I will cry out like a woman in labor. God is wanting to give birth in our lives to his life. And definitions can fall so short of the reality that we need. And so we have to be careful. We don't try and just, okay, this is what the word means. We look at salvation, this is what the word salvation means. Grace, this is what the word grace means. Truth, this is what the word truth means. Repentance, this is what the word repentance means. The definitions don't encompass the totality of the word. I can tell you the definition of grandchild. It's a child of a son or daughter. That's not what grandchild means to me. You want to know what grandchild means to me? I'll show you what grandchild means to me. Show the picture of a grandchild to me. That's what grandchild means to me. Okay, ain't no definition there. That's just pure joy. That's grandchild, okay? You see, we, we have this understanding of a word, but it doesn't capture the emotion and depth of the word. 
It's living in the relationship of repentance that starts to encompass all that it does and means to us. I can't put it just in a script and say, this is repentance. Repentance shows up in so many areas of my life. When I have a kairos, God is revealing something to me. What I need to do is repent, means change how I'm seeing it, and believe that God is at work. So like with Randy, Ben, the guys who I talked to today and asked if they had Kairos. Think about that moment that you had where you had, whether it was a mirror or something that showed up to you. The idea of repentance is part of this Kairos. Not that you did something wrong. It's that you need to realign how you're seeing God in the present. See, it means so much more. Repentance requires that we hear from the Lord because we need a word from God about reality to agree with. Revelation is part of this. God is revealing himself in these moments. And if repentance is this simple, if it's just being aware of God's presence, why do we have such a hard time with it? Why does it seem like such a a bad thing? Part of the reason is we have these misconceptions about it, about what repentance is. In general, we have found that attitudes towards repentance map onto our grace and truth matrix, which we had gone over. And I'm gonna kind of go over to these things as well. The fact is that you're already doing something with your kairos. You're interpreting it some way. Again, we've talked about how we can deny, we can justify. The fact is you're already doing something with it. And it's likely that it's in one of the three things that we have talked about in these kind of segments. We feel bad about our sin, right? Now, one bad idea about repentance is thinking that it's just feeling really bad about our sin. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that sin is not a terrible thing and it does not destroy our lives and it's not catastrophe for humans and for our ecology and for so many things. I'm not saying that we shouldn't feel bad about it. There are occasions when tears and weeping are the appropriate response and we realize how awful that thing is that we're doing or that's happening. James 4 talks about that. But feeling bad for our sin can simply be another form of moralism. In other words, it can be an expression of self-effort to fix things. We feel bad Okay, I need to fix the badness. Many Christians have confused self-inflicted emotional torture with godly repentance. Have you ever done that? I'm a horrible person. I'm terrible. I don't deserve anything. I just feel bad, 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 bad. Is that godly repentance? Is that bringing about change? We don't say Hail Mary or our fathers like maybe our Catholic brothers and sisters do but our sorrow and remorse can function in a similar way where we got to do this to be forgiven of that. It's not feeling of guilt, shame, and condemnation that makes our repentance genuine. Emotional punishment can never change our hearts, 
40 lashes from the whip of guilt might make us behave a little better for a while, but it won't transform the kind of person we are. And that's the goal. It's not our repentance that leads to the Lord's kindness. It's the Lord's kindness that leads to repentance. That's what Romans 2, 4 says. And his kindness will lead us through repentance. Repentance is the process whereby we learn to treat ourselves in our badness the way Christ treats us. So, this is important. So many of us have learned to respond to our sin by not trusting in the work of Christ. Now, we don't say that, but that's what we're doing when we say, I just need to feel bad about this. But by trusting our feelings of shame and guilt, if I feel awful enough, God will forgive me. Or worse, if by trusting a distorted view of God that sees him as angry, vengeful, and full of wrath towards sin, God hates me right now, so I must hate myself too. That's not how Christ sees you, and that is putting this idea of repentance in a, a, a category that I would call checkout. I, we're following our sin and the feelings that we have about being terrible people, and we just let that be our dominant conversation. Ultimately, how we repent reveals the kind of God we believe in. Is he irritated and angry at you? Well, then you better make sure he knows you feel really bad about it this time. Who knows what he'll do? If you don't feel bad enough about your sin, God's gonna have to punish you. Is he full of kindness, patience, and love towards you? Well, you can surrender to him and agree with him about the reality of where you're at. You see, we call this poor response to a negative kairos, this idea of follow. We follow our sin, believe in it, trust in it, let it have sovereignty over our lives. It maps onto the hangout quadrant of the grace and truth matrix. Our sin is what we follow. Now, not the act itself, but where it leads, which is condemnation. And if we find that this is our experience of repentance, we are over-identifying with our sin. In other words, we are saying this is who we are. It's kind of a Calvinist dream here. We, we think we are sin. We have become enmeshed with it, literally one with our sin rather than one with Christ. We follow our sin in the sense that we allow it to name and shape who we are and how we respond to that kairos, that revelation. Revelation, say you are at work and you do something wrong and you come to awareness like, man, what I did, I tried to make a shortcut and it was wrong and now I'm, I'm reaping the consequences of it and I follow that guilt and that shame and say, I'm just a terrible person. Man, I really need to feel bad about this. Well, 
I imagine you already feel bad about it. I imagine you already have the awareness, but what does God see in the reality of that situation? Where is the kingdom of God in that moment and where you're at in dealing with that circumstance? Is the kingdom of God condemning you and pointing how bad you are? Is the kingdom of God trying to bring some kind of good news to the awareness that God is still here even though you are right here? And where do you see that shaping you? Is it the kindness that leads you to the repentance or is repentance going to lead you to the kindness? We get it backwards so many times. Another bad idea about repentance is thinking that it is promising to do better, in which case we focus on overcoming our sin. Oh, I'm going to do better next time. Dallas Willard refers to this as the gospel of sin management where we measure our righteousness by how little we sin. I'm doing real good because I haven't done this, this, and this this week. So this week I'm good with God. Last week I had a bad week with God, but this week I'm doing much better. What will you do next week? Is it really based on how well you do? Is is that what it's about? Is, is this good news? Is this the kingdom of God in your midst? Is that how God is revealing himself to you? We focus on sin, trying to do battle with it in order to overcome it. We attempt to fix ourselves so we can stop sinning. The tragedy of trying to fight and fix our sin is that we get caught in a never-ending cycle of behavior management and bondage. And you guys, if you are like me, we live here sometimes. And it looks like this. I feel bad for what I've done. I'm gonna try harder. I try harder for a long time. I get tired. I blow it. I quit. And it's a vicious cycle. And then, I, oh man, I feel bad again. I'm gonna try harder. I'm exhausted. And I quit. Think about this. If willpower and management was the past path to life, then what is the cross of Jesus about? What is the death of Jesus about? If it's just about us trying harder, doing better. How does the good news of the Christ cross speak to us, reveal God's will to us in this idea of, I need to fix it. I'm gonna fight it. Our standing with God, our righteousness, isn't measured by how little we sin, but how much we love. And working on your sin doesn't teach you how to love, at least not the way most people work on their sin. Sinning less does not equal loving more, but loving more will usually result in sinning less. And if we don't get those two straight, we can live very frustrated lives. Godly repentance is about turning towards God's love in greater and deeper ways. That's how we fight against sin. We increasingly trust and rely on God's love instead of merely our own efforts. So technically, it's not if we fight, but how we fight that counts. I'm gonna fight for God's love to be a part of my life. And again, this too maps into that grace and truth matrix. Fighting sin in our own strength apart from God 
is in the call-out quadrant. We call out our sin and attempt to overcome it through harsh treatment or strict discipline, right? It's a low grace, high truth. We're gonna live this, we're gonna buckle up and we're gonna get it done. Doesn't mean that there isn't effort, but the effort isn't depend on your strength, it's depend on God's love for us. And as we lean into God's love, his love is what gives us strength. Can anyone else relate to this kind of thinking? Because I feel like it dominates my life. Trying to fight sin to fix it, making promises, committing to spiritual discipline practices. I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop doing that. And I just get frustrated. And the times I have victory aren't usually the times I'm trying to fight sin. It's usually the time I'm basking in relationship with God and the people around me. And then in our experience, I think most of us go between follow and fight and fix. We kind of either live here where, man, I'm just the worst person in the world or I'm going to stop it. I'm just going to be better. We kind of live in that dynamic. But there's another response to this revelation, this kairos, that ends up being a bad idea about repentance. We think needing to repent is a sign of immaturity. Now, follow me with this, because I think this happens without us even being aware of it. Many of us have come to believe that repentance is a bad thing, something for pagans, immature Christians. We think, I should be far enough along by now not to have to repent as much as I used to. Right? I've been a Christian all these years, so I shouldn't repent as often as I did. And so what we do is we flee from repentance. We avoid it, seeking to leave it behind, and we're better now than that. In other words, we're just really checking out. And we deny it. I don't want to have to address it because I should be better than that. It's seen as a bad thing. Repentance is a bad thing. I don't want people to know I repent. If people know I'm repenting every day, then it's going to be, I'm going to look like I'm immature. How can I repent every day? I'm the pastor for goodness sake. I shouldn't have to repent every day. I should be above that, right? We have this mentality and we don't realize what we're doing is we're now denying the good part of repentance, that repentance is actually the good news, God calling us into the dynamic of his kingdom present with us. How do we become aware? We repent and believe. You see, the kingdom of heaven is present. Repent and believe. That's the good news. Every moment, every kairos, every time that these events happen, we need to repent and believe. So this is a daily process. This should be happening. If you're not repenting every day, are you learning? Are you growing? Are you aware of the kingdom of God being present? Now, this isn't to guilt you and say, oh man, I haven't repented today. I want to make us aware of the opportunities to grow by repenting and believing. And not get into the place where, no, I just, I got to be, you know, better than that. Or man, I'm just the worst person ever. Or I can't admit to what's going on. Dealing with kairos and grace and truth means that we face it that we befriend it. And this is the call in culture. What if repentance is actually a gift? Does that come to your mind when you think of the word repentance? Repentance is a gift from God to you. Not an embarrassing mistake, but an opportunity. 
what would happen to us, the, the church globally, if we believed repentance was a gift and we leaned into it? What if it is a doorway into the mind of Christ, not confirmation of our condemnation? Repentance is the evidence that God has committed in Jesus Christ to never stop hunting you down and untruthing the bad news that wages war against your soul. Anything that begins to condemn you, repentance is the evidence that God is still reaching for you. Anytime you can repent, it is proof that God is still at work. That's a gift. This means repentance is good news. When is the last time you thought of repentance as good news? And I hope from now on you will, because repentance is not weakness. Repentance is evidence of God's love. It's evidence that God is committed to you. It is a gift of grace. It's the doorway to growth, maturity, and healing. Repentance is the process whereby the kingdom of God gains an increasing territory in our lives. And so if I am constantly repenting, I am constantly growing. I am constantly being aware that the kingdom of God is in our midst. And I am constantly recalibrating my life to live in that way. And I don't know about you, but I need constant recalibration because I am oftentimes going into these other quadrants, dealing with my life, trying to manage my life, getting exhausted with my life instead of stepping into repentance and the kingdom mentality. So let's learn to meet God in our kairos moments in grace and truth. Let's learn to repent in light of God's love in Christ. That's what these moments are for. That's how we step into these things. I had a speed bump moment this week. I had a Kairos. I go out to LA three times a week and I always stop and get a coffee on my way out there. It's kind of my reward to myself. It's like, okay, you're going to drive for an hour and 20 minutes and so you're going to get a coffee. And so I, I stop at Starbucks and I get a coffee. And then this past uh, Friday, I stopped and I saw this on my coffee cup. I have a picture there they're going to put up. That was my coffee cup. And I looked at it and it stood out to me. There was a smiley face on my coffee cup. And there was, you know, at the Starbucks, they put them there. You can't get your cups now. They have to hand them to you. And so they handed it to me. The person handed it to me. And I noticed none of the other cups had smiley faces. Just mine had a smiley face. In that picture, I didn't show you the rest of my car, all the trash on the floor. But I looked at that and I thought, wow, I got a smiley face on my cup. And, and I don't know who put it there. I don't know if it was the guy handing me the cup. I don't know if it was the barista who put it there. I, I, I don't know, and they don't know who I am as far as I know. Now, I do order that 
you know, a few times a week, but I'm like you, and I have some bad days, and I have some times where my mindset isn't aware of the kingdom of God present with me. And the idea of repentance isn't good news. It's, it's more the idea of condemnation, more the idea of that, you know what? You really don't measure up, Sam. You really aren't qualified to, to do anything. I mean, you're not qualified to be a pastor. You're not qualified to be a dog trainer. You're not qualified to be a husband. You're not qualified. Man, what are you doing with your life, right? I don't know about you guys if it's just me, but every now and then I go there, okay? Just being honest with you, every now and then I just live in this place where what the heck am I doing? Why the heck am I doing anything? I am just fighting this constantly. And then I get a cup. And it's as if God is saying, you know what? This is how I feel about you right now. Just a little speed bump. Boom. Just a little spark aligning my life with the fact that the kingdom of heaven is here. And what I had to do is repent from my little pity party, repent from my little condemnation attitude, repent from the fact that I'm thinking I got to just do better. I got to muscle it up. I got to be a better human being. And I just have to repent and believe that the good news is the kingdom of God is here with me in my life right now. And the good news is he is there for you too. And whatever you're going through, whatever your situation, whatever place you're finding yourself in, if you are in this place where you're exhausted, maybe you've quit, you need to repent and believe. What? That the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near. You can touch it. Do you know what good news that is? Do you see what repentance does? Repentance brings us into this awareness of how close God really is. God is so real, and he only meets us where we really are. Remember, we talked about that. And the God who meets us is just like Jesus, who stood in suffering solidarity with sinners like you and me. That he actually cares more than we do. This means we can gaze upon the worst of ourselves. We can look into the darkest part of our lives with confidence that we have an advocate in Jesus who intercedes at the right hand of the Father for us. He doesn't shield his eyes from our sinfulness. He he comes looking for us, calling us into receiving the grace and truth of his kingdom We can face the truth about reality knowing that God's love will uphold us. And so I want you to befriend your kairos. That event that happened, see it as a place where you can lean into. It's normal to be repulsed by our sin under conviction by the Spirit. But the Scripture's clear over and over again 
not only in the life of Jesus, but in the teaching of Paul and his epistles, that Jesus embraces those he sought to transform. Jesus moved towards sinners even while they were still sinful. And then it was his relationship with them that enabled repentance. It's almost as if his kindness leads us to repentance. The one sheep that goes astray, the coin that is lost, the prodigal son, the father's attitude towards you is the same. And as we face the truth of ourselves, we also learn how to embrace and accept who we are just as we are. Not that we can stay there, but so that we can repent. Believe the good news and grow from here. And at first, this might seem merely as like a self-esteem state of mind, but actually, this is a humbling experience. To accept yourself before Jesus, just as you are with no justifications, with no pretense, no trying to to put the, the good face forward, no trying to be someone you're not. Pious promises, excuses, confusion. The good news is that you can repent and believe. You can always repent and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand. A few questions for you, and I want to kind of lean into this again. How do you respond when you get caught in the act of sin, either by others or by your own consequences? Do you defend yourself? Attempt to hide? Check, check. Promise to do better? Check. What kind of God sits behind your response? What God is sitting behind the response of defending yourself, of hiding, promising to do better? Does your view of God permit you to surrender in your badness? about your failings? How does God treat you in your wrongness? Keep in mind, too, that these questions are meant to provoke a kairos. These are meant to spark a thought that leads us to repent and believe. Simply pay attention to what comes to mind as you answer these questions and notice it without judgment or condemnation, just be aware of what God am I believing in if this is how I respond to my shortcoming. And then I've got some more work for you to do. Notice your knee-jerk reaction to a negative kairos. This week, when something happens to you, that isn't good, you're aware of something, that mirror isn't good, what is your knee-jerk reaction? Is it to hide? Is it to, is it to excuse? Is it, I'm promised to do better? What's your default response? What do you normally go to? And what do you do without really thinking about it? 
right? Do you follow that bad feeling? Do you try to fight and fix it, vow to do better? Do you flee, excuse, or ignore it altogether? And can you face it in the grace and truth of Christ? Because what we're going to do, if we're going to have and detect these moments, to dig into them deeper, what we're going to do first is repent and believe. Every time you have a kairos, repent, that means see and align your life with how God sees and where the kingdom is present and align that moment with that. That's what repentance is. And see if it doesn't draw you into the heart of God and to the kindness of God for your life and allow him to be more real and change to happen in a deeper way. That's a challenge for us this week. Let's pray. Father, I repent of all the ways I try to live up to your standard, other people's image, my own conscience. Lord, I want to believe the good news that the kingdom of heaven is right here. It's with me. It's with my friends, my family. It it is with us right here, right now. And may our lives constantly recalibrate to you. May we step into your goodness for real so that it can really transform us. Lord, I, I can't fix myself. And I'm tired of trying, but I need to be fixed. So it is you who's doing the work in me. And may I be constantly aware of this love, this grace that is poured out on me, that is calling me, that is smiling at me, that is with the smallest gestures, making me aware of how near and how good you are. And I pray for those who are listening, Lord, who are here and who will watch later on, as they go through their life, as they experience the condemnation, as they go through the same struggles maybe that I have in trying to better ourselves, to trying to align ourselves, or maybe just ignoring what you're saying to us. Lord, when these moments happen, may we repent and believe and allow your work to continue in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. May you move the word repentance into the good news category.
And may it become a daily work in your life that you repent and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. We love you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for being out there in the wind and being here. We love you guys. Take care. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.